It was already hot for being midday. I remember swishing a stick back and forth in the dirt. Benny, Jake, and I were in the prime spot. We could see everything. To the east was Bethany and Bethpage, where I lived. And to the west, we saw the great city and the temple. Benny was tossing some rocks over by the east wall of the Mount of Olives. Earlier in the day, he had come to my house and said, Today is the day. My morning chores and studies were done, so naturally, I ran after him. For weeks, no, more like months, we had been hearing about the pending arrival of the rabbi king. We were all waiting. There were murmurs that he'd be arriving from the Wadi Kelt, coming to Bethany and then to Bethpage and on to Jerusalem. The rumors were even more wild. Apparently, he had raised some guy to life, dead, and then back to life. There were rumors about how he claimed to be God. I couldn't even fathom how that could possibly be true. I mean, sure, the Messiah, but God and the Messiah seemed confusing. Snapping out of my head, I turned to Jake, who had picked who we had picked up on the way to the mount, just down the street. What do you think he is like? I asked in the direction of Jake as he took a bite. Who? Jake replied, a little bit annoyed. This rabbi king, the one who we are waiting on? Jake cocked his head. Well, my dad says the king is going to be the one who finally gets rid of the Romans. He's primed for a fight. Romans are a bunch of scumbags, dirty, immoral. They they think they own the place. And he's tired of being a prisoner in his own country. I knew the feeling. We could worship at the temple, but it still felt so restrictive in the wider society. Like, if you had stepped out of line, then you'd be drugged before the courts and judged. And that was a, wasn't a feeling we liked. Jake continued, My dad hopes he brings an army with him this time. We want him to be the person who brings rescue to our people. As 11-year-old Jewish boys, we weren't quite sure exactly what that meant, but we had heard that enough. Everything is in decline. Our whole way of life is being threatened, Jake continued. We hope he makes things ha- how they used to be to make our land pure, make everyone who lives here adhere to the rules. Okay, that went a little too far for me, I thought. Things aren't so bad, I retorted to Jake, kind of interrupting him. My dad says this guy is a healer and a miracle worker. He hopes the rabbi king keeps providing wisdom and healing so that what's gotten better can continue. Everything was changing in our world, and the old ways weren't working. We needed to just move forward. If people would just believe that, then we could, that we could just build something as great as the Roman Empire, then everything would be okay. We're becoming better people naturally. We don't go around butchering people like our old ancestors did, so... We're better, kind of glaring at Jake. 
here we go again. Benny chimed in as he made the way towards us. Listen to you two. Ah, the sky is falling. Or let's just change everything. One of you is consumed with the past and the other is consumed with the future. It's as if you can only see the world through your own eyes. All of us kind of looking at each other. We knew his mocking tone wasn't lost on us. But he continued. My, did, my dad went out to the wilderness and listened to the rabbi king before. He's c- completely different than the pictures that you have in your heads. I mean, my dad gave up our donkey this morning to simply, simply because two of the rabbi king's disciples asked for it. My dad never lets anyone borrow anything. Since he's listened to this rabbi king, it's like he's a completely different person. Jake jumped back in. Yeah, but how often does that really happen? Change, I mean. Especially with all this waiting, it's easier to picture the way the world used to be and embrace our, than embrace our present. Really, you can't even just deny what Joe was saying, that even the prospect of the future progress is better than where we're at now. We were immersed in our discussion, so immersed that we didn't even notice it at first. There was a quiet tremble that began growing into a roar. Before we knew it, there were swarms of people with palm branches. My mind flashed back to the vivid stories my dad had told me about the Maccabean Revolution. Anytime palm branches were present, he said, be prepared for a fight. This was the opposite of where I thought everything was heading. Seemed like we were heading for a fight since palm branches were present. I watched the crowd swell. Then I felt the crowd swell in size. I couldn't stand the low murmur, how it had just grown into a roar anymore. I had to get closer to see what was happening. I yelled, hey, Benny, Jake, I'm going to go get closer And take a look. As we got closer to the crowd, I remember being confused. Instead of marching with branches, they were laying them down along with their coats. People were singing and shouting. I couldn't help but join in. Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They were words I had rehearsed or I thought I knew well. And there were words that I thought I seemed like I knew just a million times over from the 118th Psalm. We were shouting, save I pray. And then the conflicting images hit me. This was the moment my parents had told me about. The story that had been passed down from generation to generation. The king had returned. All would be made right. All would be made new. No more Rome. No more extra rules. No more slow incremental change. Change was here. The waiting was over. Where were the swords? Where were the shields? Where were the horses? 
Surely, if this rabbi king was going to make wrongs right, then we needed to fight. He needed an army. We had enough people. Surely, even those with whom I disagree with thought about making a change to make something happen. The rabbi king was different, though. He felt eerily present. Even with all the people surrounding him as he rode in on that donkey, it's as if he didn't want to be anywhere else. I made my way a little more to the front to see if I could get a better look at him. And then it seemed as if he saw me. Like saw me. Saw me. The kind of seeing myself to where the surrounding environment seems to disappear. And as if you're just exposed, where your soul is laid bare. And rather than shame, I felt attachment. I felt a peace. Like he knew who I was and what I had done, but that it didn't matter. Is this if I truly saw myself for the first time as he looked at me? I saw what I was and what I could be. That what my young soul longed for was most satisfied in that moment. I followed the crowd all the way to the city. As we passed through the gate, it seemed as if everyone was just gone. Except the rabbi and a few of his closest followers. Jake, Benny, and I stood perplexed. Benny tugged on my sleeve. Hey, I recognize the two had come and gotten Bo, my donkey. Let's go follow them. We kept our distance, but we followed for a little while. The rabbi made his way all the way to the temple. I thought, ooh, boy, this is about to be good. It's about to go down. Here we go. And then nothing. It looked like the rabbi just looked around and then said, all right, it's time to return. So confused. So Anticlimactic. Looking back on that day, I realized it was just the beginning of a very crazy time, especially when the rabbi king was eventually arrested, charged, murdered, and then came back to life. The people who were so excited about the rabbi king suddenly weren't. Benny was right. Jake and I were wrong. The pictures we had in our heads of the rabbi king were wrong. The way we pictured change in the world was wrong. Popularity wasn't the same as followership. Praise wasn't the same as presence. Volume wasn't the same as veracity. Now, to step out of the story... 
which narrative did you find yourself most drawn? We're all like the people in the crowd that day. We want a particular type of salvation. Even those of us who are followers of Jesus want a particular type of salvation. Salvation is what we look to in order to bring about the change we desire to see, both in ourselves and in the world. When Jesus arrives at the place the great, where the greatest celebration is supposed to occur, the temple, according to Mark, the crowds are gone. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus when you are after personal benefits or if you think he will do what you want him to do. And if we are not careful, we will maintain our convictions about who God is and what he has done and how one experiences eternal life yet fully succumb to the prevailing myth in our society about where the world is going. We are prone to believe the myth of progress or the myth of decline. When we think Jesus agrees with us, both myths promise a movement that is not in step with God's Son. The final line of the hymn they shouted as Jesus entered Jerusalem, whether they shouted or sang, expresses a particular type of messianic hope without identifying Jesus as the Messiah, the one who was going to bring rescue and salvation. Despite the enthusiasm of the crowd and their homage to him, there is no awareness on the part of the people that the time of fulfillment that they were even singing about had actually arrived and that the kingdom had actually drawn near in the person of Jesus himself. They wanted a picture of something without the person of Jesus. It's in a distracted and disembodied world we are prone to let the myth of progress and or decline consume our minds. The gospel tells us that God has taken up upon himself the task of making our world new. And his purposes and plan for this good creation don't come about by any gradual evolution into a new age, but through the presence of Jesus within us through the Spirit. And it happens person to person. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, he was personally attached to God, where the people were attached to their own sin. What they saw themselves as the source of their salvation. Salvation comes, they, they thought, through ascending toward the sky. But salvation doesn't come through humans ascending towards the sky. It comes through God's descending into the depths of our human lives, into our sin and betrayal, taking all of it upon himself, and then rising again to bring us up out of the miry pit of our sin and evil. The story of our world needs to see the striking moment 
of personal salvation through the entrance of Jesus into our life and recognize that as Jesus enters into our life, we enter into his life. We enter into his life, death and resurrection, which then extends outward to the end uh, to the world and to the end of time. When what we experience personally with God will then be actualized in totality when Christ returns. Salvation that we want out there starts with renewal in here. It's, it's easy to cheer on Jesus. It's easy to cheer on Jesus than be present where, with wh- where he is going. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus challenges the myth of decline as well. Where the past is automatically better than the present. Following Jesus should be the internal clock that, that keeps us from believing the lie that everything is always getting worse all the time. Everything is not getting worse when individual people are following Jesus together. The church's message is one of hope. I think of Leslie Newbegin, a former missionary who returned home to England, and I, I think he can help us here. He challenged his congregation when he returned back home to understand the times in which they lived and avoid both the fearing of the future and the longing of the past. The real question is, what is God doing in these tremendous events of our time? How are we to understand them and to interpret them to others so that they may play a part in them as well as co-workers with God? Nostalgia for the past and fear for the future are equally out of picture for the Christian. He is required and the situation to which God places him to understand the signs of the times in light of the reality of God's presence and coming kingdom. And to give his witness faithfully about the purpose of God for all men. When challenged with the myth of decline or progress, the wrinkled missionary smiled and said, I am neither Jesus Christ when challenged with the myth of progress or decline and asked where he stood. He said, I stand with neither because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Our different vision of history must be on display because the perfect life, sacrificial death, and eternal resurrection of Jesus. We are completely saved from the penalty of our sin, given a more abundant life now and an eternal life with God. That's salvation. Because of this, we do not have to live with guilt or shame over our past sins or our present areas of our life that God is still working on. We have been given a totally new life in Christ. Therefore, we can extend forgiveness and grace to others with great courage and flexibility. 
It is only through God's love for us that we really and can truly love others and care for the world in which we live in. Because as Christ loves us, we can accurately reflect his love and care to the entire world, to those in our life. We combat these disembodied myths of progress and decline with the embodiment of entering into relationship with others. Jesus has attached himself to us. We must attach ourselves to a few. See, eventually the crowds fade, the applause stops, the winds of society change, and everything seems anticlimactic. When the adrenaline of the potential fight or a fandom fades, what's left? Taking Jesus at his word. A few together, passing on the presence of Jesus from person to person. I want you to say out loud, more than me. Go ahead, look around you, say, say it out loud, more than me. Life is about more than you. Life is about more than me. Thus, in a culture based upon radical individuality, in radical individual authority, Jesus' sacrificial death is the church's ultimate guide as we fight our unconventional struggle. That life is more than about me. Life is about Him, His presence in the world. In a confused and contradictory world, the great theme of Scripture offers a coherent worldview instead of the choppy narrative of the single-person play. The gospel invites us to God's great story of which our singular part contributes to the great mosaic of salvation, beauty, in which we begin to understand that as Jesus moves towards us, it compels us to move towards others. And we are invited in. We are invited to partner with the Creator Himself in the redemption of the world and in the marriage of heaven and earth together. That we can move towards others because He has first moved towards us. All of Mark's gospel has been building to this moment where Jesus moves to people, to his death, and ultimately to his resurrection, to show us what it means to be truly human. And that this world is not moving towards a decline, and it's not just simply moving forward, but it's moving towards the point at which we understand who God is and who we are in light of that. We follow a Savior who moves through the myths of our world towards us. The triumphal entry isn't triumphant because Jesus conquered people. The triumphal entry is triumphant because Jesus triumphed over sin and death. And when we recognize that we are not measured by our shame or by what we 
conquer, but we are measured by the conquering of the cross and Jesus' compassion for us so we can extend grace and forgiveness to others. Imagine a church right now that doesn't buy into the lie of progress or decline, but instead is faithfully present wherever God has placed us. That as we live, work, and play, we don't complain about what was or try to escape to what could be, but rather we are faithfully present because Jesus is present with us. Today, when the temptation of sin calls you to escape or to that ever so pervasive nostalgia. Let the story of Jesus overcome that your salvation isn't by something that happened in the distant past and let's return to that or uh, a future actuality, but it happened because Jesus entered in and gave up his life for you so we can give up our time, energy for others to be faithfully present where he has placed us.